And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show, Monday through on the Athletic Podcast Network. From the Golden Gate to the New York Bay. What I have access to is a bit different than the public. Tamper with you. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. With Sam Tamp, Anthony Slater, uh-huh. and Fred Katz. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is not talking about players on other teams. What did I do? The charges filed. Impermissible contact. Was right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. Actually, what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial you want with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Here's your host, Sam Amick. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA national writer at The Athletic here deep in the regular season with our guys, Fred Katz out east, Anthony Slater out west. Going to get into it like always, gentlemen, looking good. What's going on, fellas? Nada. It's just, this is the, uh, and maybe people are listening to this afterwards, and they're listening to it on election day where there'll be no NBA games. But how about the way the NBA laid out this Monday schedule? It's all 30 teams playing, 15 games, nobody tipping at the same time. It's just every 15 minutes there will be a tip off from 7 Eastern to what, like 10.30 p.m. Eastern? It's a little little stressful, Fred. I'm not going to lie. We joke about you know how you love being organized. Sometimes I'm not organized enough, but but I have a little OCD as well. You know, trying to keep track of every game in 15-minute staggered increments. You know, I feel like Steve Kerr trying to finish uh, or figure out his rotations here, buddy. Should should Wow, Steve Kerr catching a stray. Uh, should Jared <laughs> Greenberg get a shout-out, right? He's doing like the red zone style Yeah, what's it called? Time. What are they calling it? Yeah. Crunch time? Yeah. Crunch time. I was, I was, I was going to say it is, it is perfect for, for a red zone situation. We'll get on the NBA app tonight. I mean, I'm not trying to give free pub. Here, I was going to say, Jacinda Ortiz from the NBA's PR office is loving uh, yeah. this podcast right now, Slater. The you're, one thing I will say get... is I would like for that to succeed because I would like that to be like a nightly option when, I, you know, you're flipping around the games. I, I'd rather the the TV does, ooh, wow, does the flipping for me. <laughs> okay. Does he sound? We that, good? That, that we sounds good? like it would be like a, like an Elon Musk quote. The TV does the tipping. Yeah, let's Flipping not talk about that. You, um, he's <laughs> you know he's messing up my favorite social media platform. I've I've been I've been had by so many fake Elon Musk Twitter accounts because they just all seem real. Fair, fair. All right, I'm ending it there. We're not going down that road. On this week's episode of Tampering, gentlemen, uh, we are going to talk about our respective victory laps and storylines that we saw one way going into the season and feel like we may have gotten correct. And also our premature victory laps, the ones that it appears we got wrong. And as always get into the recent events as well. Uh, we will eventually talk about all things Brooklyn nets. I had a piece today where I tried to do 
an executive poll, talked to 11 different front office folks, actually 10 front office, one owner, um, about the Kyrie Irving situation, but basketball-wise, his future, what all of this, you know, latest round of chaos, you know, with him promoting an anti-Semitic documentary and being suspended by the Nets and now being in limbo again, what that does to his market. Is Kevin Durant going to eventually ask for a trade again? Even if he doesn't, might the Nets think about tearing it down and moving him anyway? Um, so we'll get into the Nets stuff. Uh, but but in terms of the on-court action that's less dramatic, uh, Mr. Katz, I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, and by the way, I've gotten like six minutes into this pod without uh, having to pay to the swear jar uh, with that guy in L.A. Uh, who wears purple and gold. So I'll try my best on this week's pod not to talk about the Lake Show. Uh, but you have a victory lap that you want to take. I think you're 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 very excited about this. Where We're all your, taking victory laps today. Fred just Fred's lead off. He's, you he's know more what, Sam, enthusiastic though. Sam, I was I was gonna start with a victory lap, and I was gonna talk about the Cavs, who I've been pumping for months. But you led me into some another thing, so I'm just veering off elsewhere. He's pivoting, and, and, and he's pivoting from his own plane. The revival of Russell Westbrook. <laughs> so, <laughs> a thing that I was wrong about, Sam, it's was Russell that Westbrook. Was that I was not going to you guys know exactly where I'm going. I a thing I was wrong about is that I didn't think I was gonna have to put any money in the Russell Westbrook square drive during the at least in November. And I'm throwing my money in there right hey, now. Hey, here he is. Here he is. Welcome Russell, aboard. Russell Russell Westbrook off the bench. I mean, I think we all thought that Russell Westbrook coming off the bench was the ideal role for him. And that's part of the reason why everyone talked about him going to the bench so much. He could look the best if he was just going to be able to be a sort of instant offense guy who was able to come in and row second units for 12 minutes. And he could play the way that we've seen him grow accustomed to playing for years and years. And it would actually be acceptable because in those scenarios, what's best for him would be what's best for the teams as long as he keeps you know, kind of propped up in an acceptable level. Five games off the bench, he's averaging 19 points, seven assists, six boards. He's shooting 50 from the field, 46 from three, and 75 from the line. Obviously, those shooting numbers are going to come down. But you watch him, and he just what looks was so the three much more decisive. Again, Fred? 46. I don't think it's staying there. What? What? How many attempts? I don't know. Not uh, a ton. It's five games. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but there have been like some he, three of five nights and. Stuff. Yeah. And he is. And there have been nights where, you know, he just comes in and he's just gunning right when he comes in. Right. Just like five shots in six minutes. And he's Sounds going like at the rim of his uh, career. Yep, exactly. But you know what? Most nights of his career are pretty good. And, and he's going at the rim and he's he's this hesitance grew over the last year. Right. Like part of the thing that made Russ great when he was an MVP level player was this constant aggression that he was just a force. And even on nights when he shot seven for 26, he was just an unstoppable force in getting to where he wanted to go, right? Even if the decision-making wasn't there and the shot wasn't falling or whatever it was. And that was an element he kind of lost over the last year. He's playing that sort of style over these last five games. And and the thing that I didn't know if it was going to happen or not was would he embrace coming off the bench? And, uh, so far, the returns are good. Even though Can the Lakers are this. Yeah, Sam? I know what is happening here. I what mean, sort the of Lakers parallel universe is this? This guy, you know, we're we're ready for him to go on a you know pay attention to well, the I Cleveland say, Cavaliers yeah, right. monologue. 
and he wants to talk about positivity around the two and seven. Well, it's okay because Fred, this is going to go down as your premature victory lap because you predicted doom and gloom for Russ, and and that's not happening right now. So it's okay. We're still checking that box. I will say, you know, super producer Andrew Schleck, can we get like some audio edited into this episode with you know chiching left and right because Fred is just you know the bill on this segment for him is going to be massive. I mean, and this, this wasn't is like, just some like, Oh, I want to drop in a little, you know, he just sprinkled took off in the middle for 10 of the minutes. Yeah. He hides at yeah. this point. The podcast will probably be titled <laughs> Russell Westbrook. Well, well, look, I, I, I watched Lakers Cavs yesterday and, and Russ is just, I mean, look, the Cavs pull away in the fourth quarter. Uh, and because but the Cavs are just and, a much better team. But of course, you team. want to talk about the team that lost the the big yeah, market. Yeah, they're two and seven. Hey, this is exactly seven. because I've got that East Coast bias or that that coastal bias. You know, I'm just wanting to talk about. Never want to talk about the Midwest. I never talk about the Thunder. I never talk about Yaka Pertle. I only want to talk Jakob. about the coastal teams. Yaka would, uh, would look good in a Laker jersey, by the way. Come on, guys, it's happen. fun. This is it, it's it's there is so little that is fun on that team, and. Russell Westbrook kind of finding some of his force for a five game stretch that we haven't seen totally since agreed. he was in Washington is and the fun Fred the we really lowered the bar. You for know that what team. I like most about it? It takes some of the um, obsession over his play away, and maybe we can all start looking at Anthony Davis as a reason why the Lakers are struggling. And the fact that in the bubble he looked like, uh oh, he's going to be a top three NBA player, and now he doesn't look anywhere near that. And they're two and seven, in part because their supposed best player at these career arcs is not playing well. Or I should, I mean, he's not pl- he's not playing to his potential. He's still a solid player. They defend I mean, the like other crazy. part of it too is 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 LeBron is just not shooting the ball. LeBron's thirty eight. Like LeBron was supposed to hand this thing off to Davis. You know what I mean? Like. That was the plan, correct? You're not wrong. You're not wrong. I it mean, was, LeBron's but Fred's right, and I was trying off. to grab the shooting splits. I mean, LeBron's shooting terribly, and he's he's below Westbrook at this point, which to your point, Slater, is, you know, that the focus should come off of Russ. I think it's, it's largely on AD. It's largely on LeBron. It's on the roster construction. The way they play is just not sustainable. You know, they, they're a good defensive team, but they just, you know, no NBA team is going to defend at that level for 48 minutes and try to kickstart their offense and stay in transition and avoid half court. And they do it in spurts, but eventually, you know, they, they miss a few shots. They end up slowing down a bit. And a team like the Cavs, like we saw on Sunday night, pulls away. Um, so, Fred, let's kick it back to you uh, with the perfect segue there, because I'm a pro at this, or at least I try to be. Your Cavs, you know, they, they, they were in the mud with the Lakers for a while, and then you look up, and it's you know Donovan Garland, Donovan Garland, Donovan Garland, and and the rest of that cast, and and Mobley having his way a little bit with Davis, and, and they're pretty damn good, man. They're eight and one. Um, Slater and I are going to see them this week when they play the Kings and the Warriors, so I look forward to that. But these Cavs are are right there with Milwaukee at the the top of the standing so far. Yeah, I mean they look. I I think honestly. I was wrong about the Cavs. Like, I thought I thought they had a chance to win 50 before they traded for Donovan Mitchell. And I thought they had a chance to be good to really good with Donovan Mitchell. And they are still, like, way better than I thought they would be. And part of that is because another thing that I can say that I was wrong about was when I was covering from a Knicks angle, wrong about, obviously. 
<laughs> all the time. I don't know why anybody listens to this podcast. When I was covering the Knicks angle of the Donovan Mitchell stuff this summer, when when everybody and their mother thought that the Knicks were going to end up getting him, part of the my general framing of the coverage was that the Knicks are trying to trade for the first star in the door. And when you trade for the first star in the door, you have to make sure that guy is like a superstar. Because if you give up a star package to get somebody, you're not really going to be left with very much, either to get him a number two elsewhere or to maybe raise a number two from your organization because you probably traded that potential number two to Utah. And is Donovan Mitchell really that level of player was kind of my my framing. You know, he's he had never made an all-NBA team and you know, he 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 had never been like, you know, the best two-way guy on a team. And the way that he has played in Cleveland is like he saw and, and look, I was in the majority in thinking that way, right? The way he's played in Cleveland is like he saw all of that and is like, no, you're all idiots. He is playing unquestionably like an all-NBA player. I mean, if, if he keeps it up this way and Cleveland continues to be at the top of the standings and they lead the league in net rating, by the way, yep. I mean, he's going to be on MVP ballots. I mean, he, he's averaging 31. He's doing it on extremely efficient scoring. He's playing the best defense he's played in years. He's like really trying on defense as if, I don't know if it's the change in environment. I don't know if he heard all the noise about his defense over the summer. I don't know what, but like he's always had the physical capabilities of playing defense. He's got a really long wingspan. He's athletic. I mean, I don't, maybe he's just a lot more comfortable because he's got Mobley and Allen behind him. Yeah, those I was going to say, excellent. to me, that's, I mean, you know, I, he had Rudy all but those he had years. Rudy but Gobert. I know, I know. But Mobley and Allen is, I mean, that's you're, you're doubling your support there. They have the second best defensive rating so far. Uh, just so you know, just the Bucks he, are the only team. Remember, Mitchell came out as like considered a defensive prospect. The offense surprised a lot of people. He thought, you know, he thought it was going to be like, ooh, you know, athletic, rangy guard. He's got a good wingspan. So I think it's there. He just seems to be more invested. You know, that Utah situation, as we all know, got so stale. I think that had something to do with it. And remember, he went through a lot of like minor, like ankle injuries, especially like in those playoffs that we remember so well. Like he was kind of hobbled. So he looks, he looks very good right now. But I don't want to hear the early MVP talk. We're like, Eight games in or something. Really? I mean, it's almost ten, man. It's nine whoa, games. Whoa, whoa, almost ten. I'm just saying, right. like, I, I, I would be surprised at this point. Let me see if I. I mean, if he's not a top, I mean, he, he might wind up on ballots. We I, haven't know, even way, had a bond temp straw poll yet. Let's, oh, let's all, that's your past <laughs> life. <laughs> that's. I mean, look, Mitchell. We can we can veer away from MVP talk or whatever, but he's. He's been next level. I mean, he's certainly playing at an all-NBA caliber level. Like, there's no question. This is easily the best basketball he's ever played. He's carrying them. And offensively, I mean, I know they start two non-three-point shooters at with, with Mobley and Allen. But Mobley is so uh, active, such a good passer, such a good cutter. Allen is such a good cutter. Um and 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 screener even uh, Ben Taylor at NBA.com did an amazing breakdown that people should go check out about earlier this week a video breakdown of the the Cavaliers and all the creative ways they're using screens to get guys open and it helps so much when you've got Garland who was who missed the beginning of the year with nigh injury and is now back and you've got Mitchell like that's maybe the best pull up jump shooting tandem. Uh, in the Eastern Conference that you can have at the top of your offense. And you have that plus creative screening plus guys who can cut 
and dive and pass. And it's like, that is unbelievably difficult to guard. And you match that with a top five defense. It's like, holy crap, this team is, I think they're legit. Like, I think they're really legit and they're intact for years to come. I was going to say, so Slater is correct that it is relatively early, right? But in terms of what the Cavs chose to do here last summer, um, I do find it really interesting and, and see it as a reminder to the rest of the league to not only be opportunistic, but to be bold, right? Because Donovan had his eyes on the Knicks. We know the personal history to that part of the country, and everybody thought that was going to happen, but Kobe Altman and his front office decide to roll the dice. Um, you know, it, it does make me think, and again, we'll hit this later, but it, you think about the Kevin Durant situation in Brooklyn. Like, sure, his list might be Phoenix and Miami. At least it was a couple of months ago. And it, and then I think a lot of front office folks are inevitably wired to feel like, well, I can't go against what the star player might want because then he might not be happy and it might not work out. There are, I think, gray area situations like the Donovan one where it is working out. He appears to be really enjoying himself. So it wasn't completely scripted by him, but it sure looks good so far. You know, I do wonder if, you know, that might be something that is in Kevin Durant's future. Maybe it's not a Phoenix or Miami. Maybe it's a New Orleans, something like that, where if you're winning games every night, it's amazing that guys are typically happy when that's the case. Um, Slater, let's throw the ball to you and get into your pick, your either your premature victory lap or your, your actual victory lap. I got a, a, a slight victory lap. Remember our preseason podcast where we were, you know, had all these different categories. Remember the, um, it was bad vibes, good team. Yep, yep. I warned you about uh, the Timberwolves. Gonna, you're going to take mine, damn it. Yeah, that's your victory lap. That's my premature victory lap. So we can team up on this one. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just set up like the pressure, right? In normal years, what are they, like four and five? Like in the last decade, if they were four and five, there'd be a lot of Timberwolves fans that are like, oh, nice. You're five a little and five. life early five this season. Like. It's a lot of pressure on this team. And, you know, you have D'Angelo Russell really struggling to shoot in a contract year. You have what was always going to be a very difficult to, uh, to fit front court, you know, trying to pair Townsend Gobert. And then now, I mean, the, the problem everybody's starting to see is, you know, you have who I think is the most important player to your future, Anthony Edwards. And you have him coming out and making it quite clear that, you know, he's not as comfortable playing in the style of play that you have now fully committed to. I mean, you are, you know, how many years is <laughs> Townsend Gobert are under contract on maxes for the next four or five years? And he's yeah. sitting there basically telling the world he likes playing small. So they're That's five and five. They, they got Fred's Knicks tonight. So by the time the pod comes out, they might be back on the winning side of the ledger. Well, everybody's playing tonight. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, man, that Anthony Edwards quote was a doozy where he, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically says that, you know, everybody talks about how Edwards has not been dunking at all this season. So he clearly got a little defensive and said, you know, how am I supposed to dunk when, when I got bigs in the lane all the time, I need a runway. And this is on the heels of, you know, you talk about bad vibes, Carl Anthony Towns making that weird comment about Edwards eating Popeye's chicken and, um, you know, and then, and that is a real thing. Uh, you know, that, that Edwards is known to have come in a little on the thicker side, which is not ideal, uh, you know, given kind of the momentum he had from last season. So, yeah, they don't look great. And then Rudy in general, Rudy's always been such uh, kind of a, a, a unique guy, in, not only in terms of, you know, body type, skill set, what he brings to the table, but 
He's a veteran who, like, in terms of vibes, in terms of personality dynamics with teammates, you know, it was always not necessarily off in Utah, but just a little different there where you didn't see him connect with his group as much as you would probably want him to. And you wonder if, if that's happening out in Minnesota a little bit too. Yeah, the only person who Anthony Edwards has dunked on this year is Rudy Gobert. <laughs> I couldn't. Well played. I mean, I, I will say, people love to crap on Rudy Gobert. And so a lot of people said, ah, oh, see, they, they got Rudy Gobert and now they put Anthony Edwards in a bad situation and all of that. I'm like, don't you think Anthony Edwards should figure out another way to play with a rim diving center? Like, don't you think he should figure out a way? Okay, well, if everybody's converging on me, don't you think he can he can figure out, all right, well, there are some shooters out there. Maybe I can find Towns in the corner. Or maybe I'll be able to hit Gobert on lobs. I mean, that was a thing that, that Utah used to do all the time, right? Mike Conley will get in the lane a little bit, and he'll throw a little lob to Gobert when the help defender comes up because Conley is a floater. Uh, look, I'm not arguing that it is easier to score when you have a rim diving center right there. And the way that the wolves will weaponize Gobert too, for the most part is they'll, they'll use him as an offensive rebounder, which keeps him closer to the rim. And and I cover a center center who has the most extreme version of that in Mitchell Robinson, where he is just always in the paint and it messes up the Knicks offense all the time. But like, you know, basketball is also about adjustments. And I just thought it was a weird I just thought it was a weird look. And I, I like Anthony Edwards. I mean, listen, he he's like obviously a very likable immaturity. You know, but which is natural, and he's an right? honest, he's a young quote, dude, which yeah, we like. The one thing I'd say is this to me: the critique of the Wolves' move for Gobert was always like it was it was going all in way too early. Like it's like oh, you got a pair of you know sevens in Texas Hold'em or whatever, and you're like all in. Where it was like you know Anthony Edwards is so early in his growth curve, and to me, like again, I think he's the guy long term you're thinking about building around. They have mortgaged all their future first round picks to to you know utilize for the Anthony Edwards era for something that I think logically was always going to be very odd for him to like you know it is it, an odd team construction around him. I mean, you could say they're going all in on the end of the Carl Anthony Towns era. Okay, fine. I just don't. I'm not sure that was ever a good idea. Well, and I also think, like always, there's layers to this, right? They have a new ownership group coming in that is glitzy that is big money i mean they're all big money but this is you know it's a rod it's mark lore and a, and, a, and a franchise that has you know been run by glenn taylor for a very long time and so there's this pressure to to kind of go big or go home you got tim conley coming in from denver you know another very you know high-end flashy transaction on the front office level a guy that had did done great work with the nuggets so you know that's and then you have the small market factor which is that there is always a sense of desperation uh, with which I think those teams do their business that where you run the risk of running into something like this, that at least early on, like you said, Slater looks like, you know, maybe they did go too early. And especially when, you know, that Nets thing I wrote yesterday, as I'm looking at the Durant landscape and then getting reminded that it's like, damn man, four first and a pick swap, you know, in that deal. I mean, that is just so much uh, for a guy that, that right now is not having the impact they were hoping for. So much. I, I when Anthony Edwards was having that quote, I uh I kept thinking back to last year when they were when Gobert was still on Utah and Edwards said that he didn't think of Gobert as much of a rim protector and he thought Porzingis was yeah, a Yeah, he also rim didn't protector. he say 
Kristaps Porzingis was the best yeah. in the league's best yeah. rim protector. Yep. That was a I wild mean, quote. It, that was that was great. I look, I I always appreciate the honesty. It's just you're you're totally right about the vibes. Like it's just like everything we're talking about is vibes. You know, it's all Did did you guys see the the play? Somebody, you know, put out the uh sorry to whoever did, but like it was a tape of uh, Edwards, uh, it might have been on an ATO, but he just stood on the right wing for the like entire twenty-four second shot clock violation. As the you know the offense was moving around him, he was like hands on his hips, just standing on the Ooh, wing. Wee. No, I didn't see that. Yeah, you take a look at it. Uh, well, and Slater, you know this dynamic well, and I know this is apples to oranges, but you know the Warriors all all season their story so far has been about integrating the old and the new. But they have timelines. Yeah, that's the extreme, right? This is like the championship Hall of Fame bound old guys merging with the unproven, you know, super young guys. The Timberwolves have a little bit of that. Like you kind of said it a second ago, you know, the towns factor and the idea that for us, I think we're kind of glossing over the town's effect on the choice to do Gobert, but it's not a small one. Like whatever hope they still had of Carl Anthony Towns being part of a title contending team in Minnesota, they didn't want to lose that hope. So you are partly investing, you know, to, to kind of maximize that in addition to whatever you think Edwards is going to be, but that gap age wise, that gap, you know, story wise between, Towns and Edwards is pretty significant, and uh, and and early on, I mean, they got growing pains. I mean, we it is early, we got a long ways to go. Uh, Slater, do you have yourself a a premature victory lap now that you're out here flexing about the uh, the T Bulls demise? I do, and I will give it to you after this ad break. Hey, well done. We'll be right back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. If you're as obsessed with basketball as I am, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Hey guys, this is JJ Redick. Twice a week, I'm cooking up something special for basketball junkies on my podcast, The Old Man and the Three. I bring on guests in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, like Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash. Or Paulo Bencaro on his shooting workouts with Kevin Durant. Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron when they were teammates in Miami. But it's not just about the player interviews. Every Monday, I break down the top three things happening around the NBA without the outlandish takes. Often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler, we dive deep into topics like rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? The Old Man of the Three is the only companion podcast you'll need during the playoffs this year. Be sure to listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite-free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, even Slater gets stuff wrong, so I want to hear about that stuff. What uh, you know? What what did you screw up, buddy? I was extremely down on the Portland Trailblazers to the point that I didn't even think they were going to make the play in. Um, and what are they now at this point? Like seven and three, six and three, something like that. Um, but beyond the record, it's just like you know, <laughs> you're making me what? work here, man. Is your Wi-Fi broken at your house? All right, no, Portland. I'm in the middle of an yeah. answer. I don't want to be six and three. For, you know, I the, can't the be giving the people they have bad information. They're six and three. Okay, uh, like you said, everybody plays tonight. They have Miami on the road. That's tonight. a tough one. And then um, Charlotte, New Orleans, Dallas. Yeah, but they they've been good so far. Yeah, but, you know, before Lillard. Strained his calf, which, you know, it's a concern. But before he strained his calf, he looked like, you know, vintage Damian Lillard for a few games. That's a good sign. The the um, front office pickups that they made this summer, um, you know, the, the way they rearranged the roster to be faster, more athletic, smaller around Damian Lillard, I think is is a very good sign. Gary Payton II sounds like, you know, maybe – Middle, late this month, he'll be back. Um, but also, you know, they went to Phoenix the other night without Lillard and without Simons, who's out with like a little foot issue, and beat the Suns. Jeremy Grant, I think, had 30 that night. He took yep. about nine steps before he hit the game winner, and it wasn't called. Um, but he hit a game winner. Justice Winslow was good in that game. I just, I, you asked me what I was wrong about. I thought it was a bad season ahead for the Blazers, and I no longer think that. How about their new starting guard, 19-year-old Shaden Sharp, who is yeah. good. Like, Cha- Chauncey Billups clearly loves him. Uh, he, he had a quote he had a quote about him, him playing right away because obviously he has such little experience playing at a high level, and he just comes in and is given minutes, and Cha- Chauncey said to paraphrase, you know, we lost – we lost for half a season to get this kid. I'm not going to not play him. And he he just looks ready. I mean, he is smooth. He is unbelievably athletic. He's shooting the ball well. Like, he's working in that starting lineup. Like, man, he, he was a risky draft pick, obviously, because you just didn't quite know what you were going to get because there was just no tape on him going against top guys. But, man, he is. You, just, you thought he would, like, watch. have an occasional, like, unbelievable highlight dunk but like generally would be lost out there right like one of those like hyper athletes that needs a couple years to like even understand what nba basketball is i agree with you doesn't look like that like is playing smart hitting threes like you know moving well out there so guys i'm gonna adjust on the fly and even though slater and i were uh on opposite sides of the t-wolves debate um and this is my uh my attempt to get into some of the contenders that we just don't talk about enough on this show, a team that this is not exactly going out on a limb, but a team that I've been high on all the way through with the rest of the entire planet is the Milwaukee Bucks. I just didn't necessarily know they were going to be this good without Chris Middleton, nine and zero, playing some great ball. And then the other one we'll get into in a second is the the Phoenix Suns, which you know, we talk about the bad vibes discussions later that we had some time ago. You know, we, we go into the season with the Robert Sarver stuff. Um, you know, with the Jay Crowder situation where he's sidelined and waiting uh, for a trade to go to a new team. You know, they had some bad news this week with Cam Johnson 
tearing his meniscus. He's going to be out for quite some time. But, you know, those two teams right in the mix. Let me throw it back to the Bucks and and get your guys' thoughts there. Uh, Giannis is, you talk about MVP discussion. I mean, he's right there with Luka right now. He would be my MVP at this very early juncture. I'm uh, just putting up monster numbers and, and, again, doing it without Middleton, which, unfortunately, he's had to do a lot without Middleton in, in kind of recent Bucks history. Coming in at 32.6 points a game, 12.9 boards, 5.8 assists, uh, a, a nice uh, dandy 11.8 plus minus on the year. Um, the Bucks are legit and they're having fun and uh, and certainly to be uh, to be dealt with here. They profiled as the team that would just like attack the regular season in like kind of a dominant fashion. You know, you know, flamed out in a disappointing way in the second round, got that extended off season, had the motivation factor heading into the season. Giannis is just like wired to just like care on a nightly basis during an 82 game marathon. And it just, the force he brings is I think unlike anything in a regular season environment that, that teams normally face Brooke Lopez remains like, you know, an underrated, just like, you know, defensive hub, uh, Drew Holiday on the perimeter, hound, perimeter hounding you, and the fact that they clearly like are about it early in the season, like they're just such a difficult team to play. Um, you know, when you're just like trying to figure out your rotation, you know, you're, it's just they're so ready made, and that leads to what's been nine and zero. And to me, what looks, you know, their parity has been one of the stories early in the season. But I think we're talking about a potential like you know sixty mid sixties win team if they if they stay healthy and an easy yeah, I- one seed. Yeah, I think that's really plausible. They they look amazing. And I think, honestly, one of the big things for them is like Giannis is going to Giannis, and he's absolutely right there in the MVP conversation, and he, and he will be. Oh, baby. Is he the early Bro- favorite, Fred? Has he beat out Donovan <laughs> Mitchell? I love that I he turned know Giannis if he's into a verb. Purple, purple. Yeah, right. Purple, right. Purple. DPOY, the uh, Maestro pool. Sorry, go ahead. Maybe, maybe, maybe Giannis actually for that. Uh, yeah, opponents are shooting like forty eight percent on shots that Giannis contests at the rim. Like it's just crazy that he is able to be this kind of weak side defender while also being the force he is on offense. Uh, but the big thing for them, I think, and, and you mentioned him is is Brook Lopez. I mean, he missed most of last year with the back injury. I mean, you got a seven footer who has an injury history. He's already had foot injuries, uh, you know, earlier in his career and he has a back injury that forces him to miss almost the whole season. He's in his thirties and you just, you don't know. Right. And, and defensively, Brooke Lopez has looked like exactly what you would want. He's been so great for them around the rim. Uh, and, and that's just such an important part of their defense. You know, we talk about Cleveland where they have Mobley and they have Allen. That's just two guys who are always going to protect the rim. And Milwaukee can kind of match that, right? Because you got Giannis, who is an unbelievable weak side defender, and you got Brooke Lopez, who can just 29 in the paint and can actually pull off some different kinds of coverages too if you need it. By the way, November 16th, Cleveland-Milwaukee, circle it. That is going to be really fun. Where's that game at, Fred? I don't remember. Cleveland Boston in Cleveland was like the game of the regular season so far. That was really good basketball. Indeed. All right. In that same uh, vein, a, a team that again I was wrong on this one because I thought that the vibes were going to get the best of them. Um, the Suns guys, they are, are doing their thing. You know, DeAndre Aiden goes into the year conceivably with the kind of a dauber down because of the contract stuff, and then 
you know, we thought he'd be on the move and he's in the Durant discussions and, and lo and behold, they're kind of bringing the band back all except for Jay Crowder, you know, Cam Johnson sliding into that starting role. Um, a few quick, you know, notes on them so far, Devin Booker doing Devin Booker things, 27 a game on the scoring front, 5.1 assists. Um, you know, Chris Paul got off to a, a slow start, at least we thought, but now I think he's leading the NBA in assists again, 10.2 and a, and a monster plus minus. So, you know, Chris has been good. Mikhail Bridges, you know, it's the same. We know what they do. Uh, this Cam Johnson news is, is really unfortunate, and I do wonder how they're going to handle that absence. You know, and it's it's a unique one, right, because you you do literally have Jay Crowder sitting right there, but Jay has, has not been happy with the way his situation was handled, and I don't know where his head is at. So, uh, in general, though, the the Suns looking dangerous again and, and looking like that team that we saw, you know, give the Bucks a pretty good run in the finals a couple of years ago. Sam, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Yeah. What, what what do you think ends up happening with the Jay Crowder situation? Um, I think there's stuff happening in real time right now, and I, um, I, I, I guess I said I don't know where Jay's head is at because that's the most important thing to me. Um, is that you know if, if I'm handicapping, I probably would lean against the idea of him just putting the old Suns jersey back on and helping him out. Um. You know, the last sense I got was that that would not be the case. Um, and part of that is that in terms of a guy's market value, you know, it's early in terms of trade season, but, you know, that's it's it's not it's late enough that as one executive had told me that I talked to the last couple of days, teams are seeing the cracks in their foundation by this point and starting to get concerned. And Jay is a guy like, sure, Kevin Durant would be great. Well, if you want Kevin, you're going to have to wait for the Nets to lose a lot of games and that's going to have to develop. If you want Jay Crowder, he's sitting right there. You just got to give up enough to get him. And and I think the market is, is going to be, and is pretty robust there. Uh, But, you know, obviously no real traction that, that I'm aware of anywhere specifically just yet. Yeah. But if you're Phoenix, there's no reason to, like, you know, Jay Crowder for a pick or something could make a lot of sense, like, you know, in a vacuum. But Phoenix needs, like, a guy that can help now, right? And anybody trading for Jay Crowder, theoretically, hey, you know, we're trying to win right now, we need a piece, wouldn't want to give up a piece that helps win now. That's where, like, I think the trade imbalances made it very difficult for them to deal him. Right. Because we know how Phoenix operates. They don't even have, like, you know, G League operation. They don't even barely scout. Like, they care about, like, win now veterans in that locker room at this moment. Jay Crowder is that. It's just tough for me to see see a trade that makes sense that gets them a win now veteran for a win now veteran because usually you need, you know, kind of like dueling motives to make trade partners. It's too bad too because he's one of those guys that, you know, it's almost PJ Tucker esque where, you know, all you could ask for is for all of your old teams to wish they still had you. You know what I mean? And and I think that his son's teammates would feel that way. His Heat teammates would feel that way. Um, you know, it wasn't as impactful. Well, he was he was good with Memphis. But, you know, like going back to the Utah days, like like Jay has been a difference maker uh, for quite some time. And, and you look at him age-wise and whatnot. I just – I hate seeing guys on the shelf when they can be good ball players. you know, whether it's John Wall last year, situations like that. Um, so I hope they figure it out soon. Can I tell you my favorite early season – ridiculous stat so far indeed Damian Lee is shooting 46% on threes and 29% on twos <laughs> that floater's not falling I guess there's your I just I I love that I hope that keeps up 
I don't know what the largest difference is in a single season, but that's glorious. Good stuff, gentlemen. All right. That, I think, are we through our segment on uh, Victory Laps? No, I got, I, got, I got a thing that I got wrong and I think everyone got wrong. Let's hear it. So I, I'm not a big college basketball guy and I don't purport to be. I loved college basketball growing up and, and I've gotten away from it as I've been covering the NBA. And I do not consider myself a draft expert at all. The general sentiment coming into this year was this is a weak draft class. So I bought into it. Okay, it's a weak, it's a weak draft class. Probably is. All these people know a lot and they do it for a living. But even people who are experts will make mistakes. Doesn't look like such a weak draft class to me. No. I, I mean, there are some, like, Bancaro looks really good. Uh, Jabari Smith has struggled with the shot. But Keegan Murray looks really good. Jaden Ivey has had really good moments. Benedict Matherin might end up winning Rookie of the Year. He has been incredible uh, in in Indiana. We talked about Shaden Sharp, who's been great. Dyson Daniels has had good moments. Jeremy Sohan is starting in San Antonio. Uh, Jalen uh, Williams in, in OKC just started playing a little more, and he's had really nice moments. Looks like he's good in pick and rolls. And Jalen Duran has been good. And you just go through it. Tari Eason has had good moments in Houston. It's like there are, are good-looking rookies. Walker Kessler has been good in Utah. It's like, this is, a, this, uh, this is a pretty good rookie class. I agree. And uh, up top, Fred, watching Bancaro has been fun. You know, like his Warriors game the other day, Draymond's perspective after that game on Bancaro and, and seeing, you know, a championship future Hall of Fame vet like Draymond break down Bancaro's competitive fabric in the way he did. I thought it was just not the kind of thing we typically see because he wasn't just talking about skill set and talent. He was talking about makeup. You know who's the last young guy I can remember? You know, Draymond's selective with like when he goes over the top with his praise. Right, right, right. Uh, Luca. Rookie year Luca, he was like, he had a similar just like he would gushed about him post game. Right. And, you know, Draymond has been very on board the Banchero bandwagon from back like draft night and so part of it is like Draymond's it's a little bit of like see I'm right <laughs> type deal but it does I agree with you it does say a lot yeah and he just looks like he's been in the league for three four years I mean he played the Kings a couple days after that and you know 30 30 and 14 I yeah think just in beast mode um and and again it says same thing you know teams doing what's best basketball wise for their roster not being obsessed with player, you know, uh, you know, interest or, or preferences, if you will. You know, Paolo didn't work out for the Magic. You know, we talked to, to John Hammond back in Summer League, the Magic GM, about the process leading to getting Ben Carroll. They had to take a little bit of a risk because there were these signals getting sent their way that Paolo might not have wanted to be in Orlando. Well, you know, now it seems like it's it's working pretty well, and, and he's certainly finding his way. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm going to turn it to another rookie, too. We... For so long, the Pacers were thought of as the team that just wanted to be in the middle. How are they ever going to rebuild if they just want to be in the middle? And you look at the two guys who they have who are going to be the core of this next generation of Pacers, and Tyrese Halliburton is going to be an all-star. Like, for sure. I would bet anything on that. And Matherin has been one of the best bench players in the league this year. I mean, he's averaging 20 a game off the bench. He's shooting 43% on threes. He can dunk on anyone and everyone. Uh, he, he's incredible in transition. Uh, 
that dude is really good. Like he's not gonna be really good. He is really good. And he's a athletic wing, which is exactly what anybody wants. I mean, I don't think the Pacers are in such a terrible position right now with those two guys. I agree. I, I think Fred, we'll we'll preview the pod for next week. I think next week we should be talking a lot about the different teams that we thought were going to tank and how they didn't, and and the idea in general. To your point, that the flattening of the lottery odds, fourteen percent for the worst team, but then three teams having that same percentage essentially, like that has been a game changer. And I think teams like Indiana, teams like Miami, where I wrote last week about kind of an old story where the year they got Bam out of bio, they start. Uh, what was it, 10 and 31? The Heat front office is thinking about blowing it up, but that's just not really what they do, so they let that team ride it out. They're basically 500. It looks like the worst type of purgatory that, that we always talk about, that what you should not do is just be 500. Well, they end up, you know, getting Bam out of bio, uh, you know, late lottery. So it, it it is weird how it works out that way, and I think we're going to see more of that going forward. You know, the Pacers are a good example of it. Uh, Gentlemen, I'm going to finish, uh, as promised, on the Nets front just because it's extremely topical and also going to have a significant ripple effect, I think, on the trade market going forward. You know, the question of whether or not anything happens with their roster is one where I think most of the league is is watching to see what they do, you know, potentially before deciding how they might see uh, all kinds of other different scenarios. Uh, the latest, of course, as we talk, Kyrie Irving is—is is he two games into the suspension? Does that sound about right? Yes. Yeah, two games in. It's at least five games. Uh, two Nets wins, by the way. Two Nets wins, which is fine, great, cool. You know, it's funny, Slater. Earlier, well, I just mean like it had looked like outside looking in the vibes are a for bit sure. Improved. No, that wasn't a shot at you. I noticed on so on Twitter, somebody reacted a reader to. We had a promotion of an anonymous executive quote where they had said, you know, when is Durant going to say, get me the F out of here again? And they said, well, they just won two games. The bigger picture is what obviously matters more. Kevin Durant does not want to be Superman every single night in order to get this Nets team barely into the playoffs. That's not what he envisions for this part of his career. And so around the league, a lot of the people I talked to, and like I said, it was 11 different folks, uh, there is still an assumption that you know the Nets will have to wake up and realize at some point that this track they're on does not lead where they want it to lead, and they're gonna have to you know break it all down. And we'll see if they do. Now the Kyrie component, first and foremost, has to be resolved. Uh, Arsham Sharania had reported that the Nets gave him an action list item of, of six items rather that he has to satisfy in order to return to the team. And it's everything from, you know, just kind of education on the anti-Semitism front to conversations with Joe Tsai. Uh, I don't have the list in front of me, but it's a lot of the type of stuff you would imagine, you know, considering that the type of messaging and, and kind of spirit of the things he put out in the universe. Um, so, A, does Kyrie return? That's the first question. I would say it, it feels like he likely will, but he's also historically a pretty stubborn guy. So he has to make his way through that list. And we don't know yet if he will. Um, and, and we can't answer the rest of the Nets questions until we know that one, but, you know, but chaos out there and, and, you know, what are you guys quick thoughts on where it's all going? I have no idea, Sam. (laughs) I, I am so over predicting for this team. Uh, it's not going to a title. I don't think, uh, I don't think it's going, I mean, 
do I think it's plausible that Kyrie uh, comes back more enlightened and more in tune with helping the team and they win some games because they have talent people and they end up finishing around where they did last year and maybe they get into the playoffs via the play-in tournament? Sure. I, I don't see significantly better uh, a significantly better outcome than that. And I think diving way below that is significantly more likely. Uh, look, they also just don't really have the personnel beyond Kyrie and, and Durant. Uh, you know, Simmons, we just have not seen him look like Ben Simmons yet. And I think it's possible he gets better if he gets healthier, but we don't know. Uh, and the rest of the roster is just significantly lacking in defensive talents like Royce O'Neal and, that's about it. Claxton can be good around the rim against the right sorts of matchups, but he still gets bullied. And, you know, the defense is extremely worrisome. And, they're know, like a playing about... team. I mean, they're like, yeah. they, they, they're like a playing team. How about the head coach situation? Right. They don't yeah, really I don't even have... mention it. They still haven't hired Udoka. Yeah. I Again, just handicapping, and because I don't have clarity, admittedly. Um, but I have asked around if I'm handicapping – I think that's still going to happen um, with Ime obviously suspended Boston Celtics head coach and, and all the baggage that comes with his situation out there. Uh, you know, what what better time for Brooklyn to, to add more baggage seems super logical. But basketball-wise, you do – I was a little surprised when I talked to all these execs. You talk to some people – now, admittedly, some folks who know Ime pretty well um, around the league saying, you know, if you cut out – all the noise that obviously surrounds him with good reason that basketball wise, you know, there was some sentiment that it was going to really not fix what ails them, but really significantly improve what ails them. Sam, can I cut you off? I finished. So I didn't give you a chance. (laughs) (laughs) If you cut out, if you cut out all the noise, it'll work. Are we just going to say that about every single hire, trade, signing, whatever that the Nets do? You can't cut out all the noise for literally everyone. That's the justification for every move. If you cut out all the noise with Ben Simmons, it'll work. If you cut out all the noise with Kyrie, it'll work. If you cut out all the noise with everybody else, it'll work. Well, there's noise. There's noise. There is somebody screaming in your ear. I I mean, it's that's. You keep bringing in all the noise, and then you're like, I don't know why I can't hear myself think. Well, it's because you keep willfully bringing in noise. It's just insane. It just, it's insane, Sam. It's it's insane. That's this fair. team, this team needs. They're they're doing endorsements on jerseys now. This team needs a big Toomey patch on its jersey to signify all the baggage it's just lugging around everywhere. I just don't. I don't. I don't get it. It's. It's, 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 you know, Bill Simmons always, always said you can, it was Bill Simmons, right? Who would, who would say like, you can have, you can have one off kilter guy in your locker room. And, and if you have a good locker room, you rein him in, but you can't have two. two. I think that was whatever the rule was. Yes. And it's like the Nets have just like compiled all of this drama together and then are like, why is there drama? I don't right. understand. That is fair. It's just. Can, can I be I positive care. briefly? No, that's no fun. Kevin Durant looks great. You know, thirty-one a game, thirty-one point five a game right now. I think he's shooting fifty-two percent. Did you see that? I'm sure you did. Uh, crossover on uh, Gafford the other day. Oh yes, yes. Daniel Gafford. <laughs> Ooh, that's as like 
embarrassed as I've seen a defender in a long first time. first tweet I saw, again, I, I wish I could give credit. I don't remember who, but it was a, a caption on the video that just said, this man has family. <laughs> it, Daniel Gafford, who has been disappointing Daniel Gafford. All right, we're not That's, going down that rabbit yeah, hole. Yeah, we're not going down yeah, the Daniel Gafford. You don't want to talk about Daniel Gafford? No. You don't want to talk not. about Daniel Gafford underwhelming when he's got that extension impending? No, so I will Katie's, talk about Katie's it later. Katie's 34, but, you know, Sam, you kind of were somewhat wrapping it, you know, into like the bigger picture, you know. Yeah, that's trade good market. news for Durant yeah. and the Nets, maybe, is is his market, I think. I, I really did get a sense talking to people, like, they just got reminded who Kevin Durant is, and then also in the context of their own teams underperforming, I feel like some of that preseason optimism that might have, you know, tricked certain teams into thinking that, that they were fine without a Kevin Durant. You know, I do think there's, you know, teams looking at it right now going, all right, what are we willing to put on the table to get that guy? Okay, so Sam, who's your surprise? Let's say we live in a world where we know Kevin Durant got traded and he got traded to a surprise team. Not not, not Phoenix, not, you know, the teams we conventionally hear. What's, what's well, a team that it's that's like, hard oh, you know what, like, could make sense now? In, like one of the execs said, he he said, I, I'd probably, you know, forget how he phrased it, but that he'd be confident that the Nets and Kevin had an unofficial agreement here where they're not going to ship him off to some market he doesn't want to go to. So I think the list is unofficially smaller than it might have otherwise been. The one that I just think is super interesting, especially here as we talk, and I keep having to go back to the standings, but you know, the Pelicans have been good, but but they've dropped a few games. They've had injury stuff. So good, but not great. Uh, currently five and four. Um, you know, if some of the sh- – if they don't look like, you know, not only just a playoff team but something greater, it's hard for me to not look at that situation and go, man, I, I get it. The, the You know, the, the hope that comes with Zion in that market, Brandon Ingram, all these pieces, but they have – depth they have star power they have picks um and if they had kevin durant i don't know which type of deal you guys would prefer there if any you know they they would be on that short list in the west and and trying to win the whole damn thing that's a good one they have young guys too they could go herb jones they could go trey murphy both those guys are are really good young players trey murphy's become really solid you can throw Valanchunas in there for Isn't salary. Isn't it not Trey? Didn't we talk about that? What's his real name? No, it is Trey Murphy. It's either Trey Murphy or Ken Murphy the third. Oh, it that's is not what it was. Okay. Trey Murphy the third. But yeah, you could throw some young guys in there. I don't think they're including Ingram or something like that. I think that ship has sailed. But but you're right. I mean, uh, uh, McCollum, Zion. Why though? And I'm just for the sake of the podcast exercise. I, I've kind of turned on this a little bit because I was Slater. You said it earlier. I was coming into the year as Kevin's old and you know he's balding and his best days are behind him. That's just wow. not true. I know I'm being mean. Um, you're going to see me next week with hair falling out because the karma is going to get the best of me. But he's incredible and he's got three years left on his deal. Like that's where I mean, my God, the Lakers are betting on you know LeBron at a much later stage. And the Pelicans, like we said earlier, Minnesota, Sacramento, Indiana, small market teams are supposed to act somewhat desperately. You have a chance to get Kevin Durant. I mean, unless you had intel that indicated that he wouldn't show up, which would obviously be a problem, and I have certainly not been told that's the case, And nor do I know how he sees that situation. But uh, why not for Brandon Ingram, Fred? 
I, I just think I, I'm under the assumption that it would take a lot of picks, and I'm just not going to give up all those picks and Ingram if I'm if I'm how nowhere just, How about just the pick swap with the Lakers this year? That's right. a pretty high-value pick. Yeah, there's you a lot. You guys swap, know. Though. That's deal. part of the problem with the Pelicans picks. You can't trade a pick swap. You can't? Like they could I guess, trade I guess you could the... just include them in you can include them in the swap. So I take it back. Yeah, couldn't you back. just you like trade the you yeah, know ability you to either them. you'll have yes. the Pelicans pick or you can swap. So. Well, there's I, can swap with them. I think what you're getting at, guys, is there's a lot of scenarios here, and that's where deal making gets done. Um so you know, there's a good problem to have if you're having to figure out how to construct it. You know, do we focus more on picks or the young stars? Or what does it look like? I think they have to, and I'm stealing this insight from another exec, like they have to get over the idea that it has to meet some Rudy Gobert threshold. Like that, the Gobert deal with Utah was an outlier, and it was the product of a lot of unique circumstances that, that don't necessarily apply you know, to other circumstances, uh, situations going forward. But that one to me is interesting. Um, do you guys have any other teams that, that you think – are under the radar on the something like a Durant deal. Golden State Warriors. Seriously, man. Warriors. I thought about that. Let's go there, Slater. We're going to wrap up on that. I like that. Oh, no. Ser- no, I'm not kidding. Why did I even mention? Come on now. Like, cause, no, no, I mean, go, go ahead. They're go losing. Ahead. Yeah, they are losing. Draymond's coming up on his player option year. We got the preseason situation with Jordan Poole. Um, we have, you know, a lot of evidence already to this point that once they get past their starting five, which have been tremendous, that they just desperately – need help uh so you know uh kevin i was gonna say kevin saved him once he didn't necessarily save him but he certainly you know gave him some extra juice and and they had two pretty dominant championships with that guy and almost three uh and i know you guys reported in the preseason that it it, it had been considered internally but not seriously you know do you think there's any chance that gets reconsidered i think there's one factor that makes it almost impossible Andrew Wiggins is not trade eligible. He signed an extension. Uh, his salary cannot be used in a deal. So, I mean, to match salaries, then you're hey, talking. Fred, Clay's in the deal. Draymond's in the well, deal. Can I can I make another ridiculous suggestion that could involve uh, nostalgia and a Wiggins? Sure. Uh, what about the budding, young, feisty Oklahoma City Thunder? Throw them all be, in. That would just be fantastic. <laughs> it would be so fun. I mean, Shea Gilders Alexander is a star. And he's he an impatient a, star. He is a freaking star. He's I know, you hear me though, 30 right? Like, a game. He's impatient. Yeah. That's a problem. Yeah. I think he's like second tier. I, I'm not trying to get Andrew to hop on the podcast right now. Great. <laughs> you, know what, you know what a second tier star means? A first tier star. I do agree uh, with that. They got they got picks. They got every. I'm I'm being. This is not going to happen, especially no, no, it's when not. you don't we, know we've, what's we've going gone on down a deep rabbit hole. We're talking the right There's no the way, gun. but it would be fun, and you can include Aaron Wiggins, so you could really trade him to a former team hey, with a Wiggins. There you go. All right, guys, I'm gonna cap it there. Uh, I I do. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention as I rock my green Sac State, you know, uh, shirt here. You know, the the best 9-0 and team out there is not the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a Hornets football, baby. We are big time and uh, heading towards a, a Causeway Classic game, Slater. Are you going to join me out there in, in a couple weeks? 
Sure. You're going to have to tell me exactly. Is that against UC <laughs> Davis, I assume? At least I saved this self-serving part of the pod for the end of it. Yes, Is that that's the UC rivalry Davis. with UC Davis? Yeah, Howard Beck's uh, UC Davis Aggies. Uh, okay. The, well, the Aggies if, are playing if, if well. If I can as, make it, perhaps I'll be out there. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about this off the pod, though. No, I, I just got to pump up the old alma mater. You know what I mean? Nine and zero. Oh, I don't care what you know. I don't, and it's football, man. Nine and zero oh in football. It's pretty damn good. Great times in Sacramento. Indeed. Thank you, boys, and we will do it again next week. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.